Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. This is Friday, November 13th. Um, this is actually our second podcast of the day, which is pretty exciting and a, a rare feat. So hopefully, hopefully it goes well. Um, you know, as we talked about a little bit on the, the earlier podcast today, our, our sort of season preview, um, I'm not going to rehash that, but uh, uh, t- first day of college basketball, a lot of exciting action over the weekend. Um, a lot of things to be excited about, frankly, um, in the college basketball world. I, I know it's kind of a, at least for me personally, you know, uh, obviously BT Powerhouse has been previewing it for a while, but it's still a little bit of a, of a shaking syndrome, or I'm not sure uh, a shock to the to the old system. You know, I've been uh, so much into college football over the last you know month or two. It, it's uh, shocking to think, wow, basketball's already here, but but here we are. <laughs> um, don't believe I mentioned this, but uh, I'm Thomas Bendit, the manager of ET Powerhouse, uh, hosting as always. Um, but today we have a, a really fun topic. It's actually sort of the second podcast we've done in this series, uh, sort of becoming a series, I guess. <laughs> um, but we're going to preview uh, the Big Ten Big East Challenge, uh, the Gavit Games, as they as they started to be called. Um, Sort of, it's kind of a spinoff of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, Big Ten, Big East will pit each other uh, against one another. There are there are a few differences. Um, just to kind of outline it. Uh, first off, not all the teams are participating. Uh, that's probably the most notable difference. Um, and second, there doesn't seem to be a massive focus on matching up. Uh, what I would say are the the best against the best and the worst against the worst, so to speak, uh, and through the lineup. So there's definitely not a uh, um, an emphasis on that. The Big Ten ACC Challenge really focuses on doing that. Obviously, it's not always perfect. Um, we've seen some years where uh, I remember in 2012-13 season, uh, Michigan was ranked in the I want to say the, either the top five or the top ten before the season. And they faced North Carolina State, who was also perceived to be a, a top 10 team. Eventually, they ended up as sort of a fringe bubble team. Uh, and I'm talking North Carolina State. So the game the game wasn't what it was expected to be uh, before the season. But but ultimately, an exciting matchup. And, and I guess my, you know, my basic point is, you know, you see Wisconsin-Duke played last year in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. This year, Maryland and North Carolina play. So there's not, there's not that where it's you know best against best, worst against worst, uh, middling teams against middling teams in this challenge. So those are the two big things to to note in terms of differences. Um, again, as I said, this, this is the first year, so obviously you know people are kind of have to kind of get used to it. But but the other thing, um, but you know regardless, it's still there's some big games, there's some exciting games, and and the Big Ten has a chance to kind of put a stamp on its 
on its presence here. But but to help us break down the games, we have Robert O'Neill from our uh, our sister, our brother site, uh, Big East Coast Bias. Uh, Robert, how you doing? I'm pretty great, Thomas. Uh, excited the season's back. How about you? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, awesome that it's finally back after all this preview, and I'm sure you guys are in the same the same boat with the endless preview season. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, exciting topic today. I, I talked a little bit about it. Um, you know, Big Ten, Big East Challenge, first year. It, there's some exciting games on the lineup. Um, what, what what are your general perceptions coming into this game? Uh, you know, I think there's about there's one really good game in Georgetown, Maryland. There's two or three pretty good games, and then the other four kind of leave a lot to be desired. But, you know, it's the first year. Um, the Big East doesn't have Butler or um, Seton Hall in this. So, and the Big Ten obviously is missing some big teams like Wisconsin or Michigan State. So, I think uh, it'll be kind of touch and go as far as how good the matchups are on a year-to-year basis. But I still think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely in agreement as far as that goes. I think, um, you know, we talk a lot, a lot about – or I shouldn't say we, but – the media talks a lot about, um, you know, the fact that the season kind of starts with a quote-unquote whimper. It's not that exciting. So um, do you think this is a way to kind of enter things with a bang, so to speak? Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you have, uh, you know, two conferences going head-to-head uh, like this, I mean, you have the Big Ten ACC Challenge just in a couple of weeks. But anytime the SEC Big 12, uh, it's good when two power conferences meet up because, but for the most part, non-conference college basketball is it's it's not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it it it's always seems to me it's always kind of a mix between like Duke playing Kentucky and then you know Maryland playing 300th ranked uh, Texas A&M Tech Institute of Technology. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, for our for our listeners that aren't as familiar with the Big Ten and and I or not the not the Big Ten the Big East, um, without going into the the full preview here, uh, what, what's kind of the general things that fans should be looking for this year in the Big East? Uh, you know, it's kind of top heavy in that there are four really good teams in Villanova, Georgetown, Butler, and Xavier, and then you have Providence and Marquette, which are probably on the bubble right now. And then you have DePaul and St. John's and Creighton and Seton Hall, who probably won't be competing this year, especially St. John's. Uh, so it's kind of it's a nice mix. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm really interested. You know, I have high hopes for Villanova, so I'm interested to see how that that kind of plays out. But um, uh, I, I we have this is sort of our second series. We we did this series, you know, last last spring when they. Uh, our similar podcast when when they announced the game. So I'm interested to see if your if your picks have changed at all or anything like that. Um, what what what's the game that you're most excited for in this series? Um, I mean, I think it would be Georgetown Maryland, obviously, because it's the biggest matchup. But a game that not a lot of people are talking about really is uh, Providence Illinois. You know, Providence has Chris Dunn, APL American, uh, named the best player in the country by. Blue Ribbon and a couple other uh, places, but that's really all they've got. So Providence, Illinois, you got a nice matchup against two teams who are really on the bubble going into the year. 
Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And, and you know, the big thing, you know, for Illinois, uh, you know, one of the things that we always like to talk about, you know, going into the season is, you know, this game is huge. It's going to be huge down the line. Obviously, it, it's never perfect. But, uh, yeah, that Providence-Illinois one is going to be crucial for Illinois. You know, the Illini are going to need a big win or two in non-conference to get into the tournament. Um, and, and I'd say out of, out of the whole group, you know, that's probably the biggest game in terms of the Big Ten in terms of bubble uh, implications. Is, is that the same for Providence? Yeah, yeah, I would say so, given the matchups. Uh, I mean, Xavier-Michigan would be big if Xavier could get a win, but I think Xavier is – higher than being on the bubble right now. So, yeah, Providence getting a win over Illinois would definitely be the biggest uh, boost for the Big East in terms of bubble teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree. You know, just just in terms of a 30,000-foot view, that, that's definitely how it uh, how it goes. But but the other thing I, I did want to ask about is, you know, this is the, the first year of the event, obviously. Um, I think, you know, I, I spent some time talking about what's different, you know, what uh, is similar, I guess, to some of the other challenges. Um, what, what's something you, you would, you really like about this challenge? And then on the, uh, the contrary, what's something that you, you really like, would like to see changed or improved, uh, going forward? Well, it's kind of tough, uh, when you have a different number of teams in each conference, uh, obviously not everyone's going to play every year, but, uh, you know, in the future, I would like to see teams like Wisconsin or Michigan State in this. I understand why they're both not, uh, you know, Michigan State playing um, at the uh, the one with Kentucky and Duke and Kansas. And Wisconsin faces uh, Georgetown and Duke next weekend, so they already had pretty loaded non-conference, and they face Marquette later. But I think it would be nice to see some of the bigger Big Ten teams in, and Especially, you know, no disrespect to Nebraska, but Villanova is a top 10 team and, you know, the kind of flag bearer of the Big East. And it's settled with Nebraska in this over Villanova-Michigan would have been a better matchup probably. Villanova-Indiana. So just this year specifically, those are some of the complaints I have. Yeah, I'm I'm – pretty much uh have the same have the same view of this event you know i think it, i think it's great you know as as we've been talking about you know to start the season off with big games i mean uh you know over the weekend everybody's just kind of excited there's college basketball you know but uh moving into once you get kind of past the initial couple of games you know everybody starts thinking okay well when are we going to get to some of the big games and boom you know next tuesday now uh i know the champions classic which is that that msu event you're talking about on tuesday is there but tuesday you know we're going to get georgetown maryland wednesday providence illinois thursday uh you know creighton indiana or marquette iowa and then friday uh xavier michigan for what should be a really fun friday night game and um so i think i think it's great to add this much excitement to the first week or so of the season um and kind of some fun conference you know pride, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, uh, that aspect. But but the one thing I would like to see, you know, is kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the of the podcast is they need to focus on making these matchups better. Uh, not to not to, you know, minimize them or criticize them too much. But yeah, Villanova playing Nebraska, you know, on its face doesn't make sense. And then when you add in that it's at Villanova. Uh, I mean, it's just setting up for Nebraska to be to be shellacked, um, you know, for lack of a better word. But um, even if if Villanova went to Nebraska, you know, considering their home court 
uh, advantage. I think I think that would have been a great game. What, would you like to see them kind of maybe if they can't play the top teams to throw some of those uh, those top teams on the road against the lower team? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that that would uh, be. I mean, I get it with Villanova. They're playing uh, Oklahoma and Virginia already this year, so they probably didn't want to load up too much. Um, yeah, I think in Nebraska would at least make this a better game. Yeah, and and that's and that's one of the things too is you know look look for some of those teams that you know are going to turn out at home because uh, you know for for whatever Nebraska's program where they are at right now or their history their fans show up their fans are loud and and that's one of the better in home environments in the Big Ten you know I know that's a little controversial to say but I you know if you watch the games in and out you know it's true they have a great home court there and a great environment but. Uh, but kind of moving on to that, why don't, why don't we start jumping into some of these teams and we'll kind of preview each side here. Um, I believe there's, what, eight, eight, ten games, something like that. But um, let's start right with Tuesday with the, the first game. We're going to be going in chronological order here, um, starting with DePaul uh, and Penn State. This one is going to be uh, – Penn State's going to be the home team, DePaul on the road. Uh, what should fans expect out of DePaul this year? Uh, you know, I think the hope is, like every year, that they'll finally get it together and start moving in the right direction. Uh, Billy Garrett, their uh, point guard, is going to make a case for all Big East. Uh, Mike Henry, former Illinois player, had a strong year last year. And uh, Tommy Hamilton, their big man, is pretty good. But other than that, DePaul doesn't have too much uh, in terms of, you know, offense or defense, really. But, uh, you know, Penn State's a good matchup for them because they're losing a lot from last year. I mean, they're bringing in the good recruiting class, but it, it should be a decent game for what it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement. Um, you know, Penn, Penn State, pretty, pretty widely accepted that they're probably going to take a step back this year. And considering that they were one of the lower teams in the Big Ten last year, that, that's definitely a, a noteworthy statement. Um, but... They're going to be a crazy young team. But having said that, you know, they do have pieces. They have Shep Gardner, um, who should be a, a big player, and they they have a couple uh, incoming recruits. The front court is going to be a question mark for Penn State, but but I think it's a chance to uh, um, to score a, an early decent win, uh, I should say. You know, DePaul is not a, a title contender or something, but uh, a nice, solid win. And, and I'm going to, you know, when we go through these games, I'm going to throw in the Ken Palm prediction to end with. Uh, Ken Palm has Penn Penn State winning 73-69 with a 64% uh, percent chance. Uh, who do you who do you see coming out on top in this game? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to give it to Penn State just because they are the home team. Uh, in a lot of these even match ones, you do want to just give it to the home team because – and we don't really know what we're going to see with DePaul out of Dave Lieto. Uh You know, their team is kind of built for Oliver Purnell's offense and defense and – what we saw out of Leto at uh, Virginia and his last time at DePaul, it's drastically different than what Purnell was running. So we're going to have to see what DePaul kind of comes out with this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm going to go with Penn State here too. Um, I think it's going to be a competitive game, one of those kind of sloppy early season contests. But but I think Penn State has enough. I think Shep Gardner will be good enough to to eke out the win there. But uh, but moving on um, to the seven o'clock slot on Tuesday. Um, Nebraska travels to face Villanova. Uh, both of us have talked a little bit about this one, but uh, what should you expect? What should fans expect out of Villanova this year? Uh, 
I mean, it's going to be pretty much like last year. You know, they went uh, 30 and three, 16 and two in the Big East, uh, returning most of the team, adding Jalen Brunson. Villanova's uh, problem is they have three or four really good guards for you know three spots, so they're always going to have a good six man no matter who they start. So uh, the the one concern for Villanova outside of Daniel Chefu, they don't really have much depth down low, but. Daniel Trepp was also the best center in the Big East. So if he can stay in the game for, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a night, you should be able to uh, compensate for when he's out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, on, on the other side here with, with Nebraska, um, Cornhuskers, uh, they they lose two of their best players last year. They lose Petaway, they lose Pitchford, uh, they lose a couple other depth, depth guys uh, like Leslie Smith. But um, they're they're going to be an exciting young team, a team that really looks like they're going to be trending up. But I don't think they're going to be trending up this year. Uh, the other thing, they've been horrendous on the road um, historically and, and especially recently. Um, I'm trying to pu- pull up the stat here real quick, but I believe they went uh, winless on the road in Big Ten play. Yes, yeah. They didn't win a road Big Ten game last year. And considering, again, that they're facing Villanova, who should be in play for a, a number one seed at the end of the season, uh, I, I think it's safe to say uh, Villanova's probably going to come out on top. Uh, Ken Palm has Villanova winning 76-59 to 59 and gives Villanova a 95% chance to win. Uh, are you going to pick against Ken Palm or, or go with uh, uh, Nebraska – or go with Villanova here? No, i got to take Villanova here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I th- this one there isn't that much debate, but uh, but yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe Nebraska shows up and, and can make a game out of it. But uh, we moved uh Tuesday night at at nine o'clock, and all these times are Eastern, by the way, for uh for anyone in a different time zone. But um, uh, Georgetown travels to play Maryland. Uh, the Terps look like they could be a title contender. Georgetown, usually a top twenty-five ish team. Uh, what do you expect out of Georgetown this year? Uh. You know, they're returning a lot of their team from last year, uh, and they had that great freshman play uh, from three or four guys. They're not ranked to start the year, which kind of surprised me a little bit because if they do end up beating Maryland now, it's going to look like a much bigger upset than it should be. Um, I think Georgetown's going to be about what they are. You know, the problem for teams like Georgetown and Villanova is not the regular season. It's about, uh, you know, getting to the second weekend, third weekend of the tournament. And that's been the problem for those two schools really since their, uh, both of their current coaches took over. I mean, I know they each have one final four under Jay Wright and John Thompson, but for how good they've been, you think they should have been to a couple more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, you know, Maryland looks stacked. They look like the big 10 uh, championship uh, front runner, I would say. Um, a team that definitely can make the final four. Uh, Mellow Trimble should be a, uh, a dynamic point guard for the team. Jake Layman's on the wing. Uh, they bring Rashid Suleiman from Duke and uh, a five-star center in Diamond Stone. So this is a, a stack team, an absolutely loaded uh, roster. And it'll be, uh, this is their first real test of the season. So we'll get to, a chance to see if they're for real. Uh, Ken Pond gives Maryland a 68% chance to win this game. And they're pred- he's predicting uh, final score of Maryland 70, Georgetown 66. Uh, are you going to go with Kempom here or pick Georgetown? Uh, you know, I might take Maryland just because they're uh, at home, but 
it's going to be an interesting matchup because you got Devontae Smith-Rivera who can uh, hopefully try and contain Mellow Trimble. And then Georgetown has a lot of good uh, big men, like I mentioned, that were freshmen last year. you got Isaac Copeland and uh, Paul White. you got Jesse Govan coming in. They're all 6'9 or taller. So Diamond Stone might actually have a little bit of a problem compared to what he'll face in the rest of the non-conference. So I'm going to take Maryland, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Georgetown win. Yeah, I um... – I, I'm gonna pick Maryland here. I think I think it's actually gonna be a, a pretty solid win. Um I know the numbers and you know obviously Ken Palm's picking it as a four point game, so uh he's he's anticipating a close one. I think this is gonna be one of those environments where Georgetown's gonna go in and I mean Maryland fans are like filling their stadium for a stupid exhibition last week. So I mean I think this is gonna be one of those completely insane home environments and I think Georgetown is just gonna walk in and and just have trouble from the start. Um, I think it's going to be a, a similar environment that to uh, what Maryland had against Wisconsin last year in that home game. And uh, that, I mean, that was insane. So I, I, I think it's just going to worst, worst case scenario for Georgetown on, on the road here in this game. But, uh, but yeah, it should be a good one. And, and definitely looks like the highlight of the, of the challenge, um, at least on paper. But, uh, but moving on from that one into Wednesday, the only Wednesday game, uh, Providence uh, and Illinois. Illinois travels to face Providence. Uh, what should fans expect out of Providence this year? Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, it's really Chris Dunn and everyone else. Uh, you know, they had a couple nice pieces last year. LaDonta Henton led the Big East in scoring. He's gone. Uh, Tyler Harris transferred to Auburn. Uh, Pascal Chuckwood transferred to Syracuse. So, it's really going to be Chris Dunn is the best player in the conference, one of the best players in the country, and we'll see what he can get out of his teammates uh, pretty much. Yeah, I, I think I think this is going to be a, an interesting one uh, for Illinois. Uh, the Illini dealing with a ton of injuries over this offseason. There's still probably uh, Kendrick Nunn. Um, he's going to be a question mark for when when exactly he's coming back. Um, Coleman lands is kind of coming back from injury. Same with, uh, LeBron black, but, um, yeah, this is a game Illinois needs. They need to find a way to come out with a win here. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about Providence, but, uh, Illinois is completely a bubble team. Uh, if not on the wrong side of that, that bubble equation. So this is a game they need. Um, the key guy to watch for Illinois, uh, probably Malcolm Hill on the, on the wing, uh, really one of the more underrated players in the Big Ten. So that'll that'll be an interesting one. Um, Ken Palm is predicting – pull this up here. Uh, Providence to get the win. Uh, Providence 71, Illinois 67. And Providence is given a um, 65% chance to win. Uh, are you going with Providence here or picking the upset for the Illini? No, I think I'm going to take Providence because, you know, you mentioned Illinois' injuries. I don't know how they're going to be able to stop Chris Dunn. Mm. I'm, I'm the same thing here. You know, if Illinois didn't have those injuries, I probably, I probably would pick them, but I think that's going to be a little bit too much uh, for, the, for this road game. But, but moving into Thursday, uh, the 7 o'clock game and what should be a, a regionally important <laughs> game, but not, not much uh, beyond that. Uh, St. John's and Rutgers will play in Madison Square Garden. Um, what what should fans expect out of St. John's this year? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> well, you know they lost their top six scores from last year. They lost ninety six percent of their scoring. 
they got a new coach, which actually so far has looked like it's for the best just with the staff that Chris Mullins put together and the uh, recruits he's landed for the future. But this year is going to be a little rough for him. Uh, you know, Marcus Levette was supposed to be their starting point guard this year out of uh, Morgan Park in Chicago, and he got a partial qualifier the other day so he can practice, but he can't play. So St. John's is going to be uh, – I think they got probably one guy that was on the roster last year, and he's got like 1.4 points per game. So St. John's is going to – they're going to struggle a little bit. Uh, I don't think by next week they're going to have a perfect lineup down. I don't know if they're ever going to get a perfect lineup down. But I also still think with all that, they're better than Rutgers. Yeah. Um, on the other side, uh, I I try not to be too negative on Rutgers because I know I know some of the Scarlet Knight fans get a little a little down on that. So, uh, but Rutgers projected by just about everyone to be the worst team in the Big Ten. Um, they do have some younger guys, and Corey Sanders is going to be a guy to definitely watch. Uh, the incoming point guard, I think he could be a really good player long term. Um, unfortunately, Rutgers is going to kind of lean on him a lot this year, which is never good for a you know, non-elite five-star recruit <laughs> uh, as a freshman. Um, but yeah, I, you know, maybe, maybe Rutgers can get something going. I know they kind of had a few, they had a few upsets last year, you know, they beat Wisconsin, but um, yeah, Rutgers looks like one of the weaker teams uh, of the power five, uh, I guess power six, if you want to count the big East in basketball, whatever you want to use the power conferences. Um, Rutgers looks like one of the worst teams of, of that entire group. So um you know, who knows? Maybe this will be a, a good matchup for these two teams. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ken Palm is picking uh, St. John's for the win. Um, and he is picking uh, St. John's 72, Rutgers 65. And he gives St. John's a 75% chance to uh, to win this yeah. game. Uh, are you going uh, with St. John's or Rutgers here? Well, I don't really feel comfortable taking St. John's, but I'm not taking Rutgers, so I guess <laughs> I will take St. John's. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with St. John's here as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure. This is one of those toss-up games because St. John's is just such a massive question mark. But, uh, but yeah, moving on from that one. Um, another 7 o'clock game. This one looks a little more intriguing. Uh, Creighton is going to travel to face Indiana. Uh, what should fans expect out of Creighton for this year? Uh, you know, it's still a bit of a rebuild from last year. Uh, you know, obviously losing Doug McDermott and three other starters two years ago, they're still trying to adjust from that. They do have a uh, former Boston Terrier point guard, Maurice Watson, coming in this year. Uh, Illinois fans will remember him from the NIT. Um, but other than that, Creighton, they're an interesting team this year. Uh they already are dealing with some injuries, and they redshirted their uh, top recruit from this year last night. So it might still be another bit of a rebuilding year for Creighton. Um, I definitely think I would have preferred Indiana Marquette just for uh, the Tom Crean story and because it probably would be a much better game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, on the other side, Indiana looks like a uh, – a legitimate top 25 team. Um, they have one of the nation's best backcourts, uh, James Blackman and, and Yogi Ferrell will be holding it down there. Uh, Troy Williams is a potential first round NBA pick playing on the wing. And then you have, uh, they added Max Biefeld from Michigan as a transfer and uh, five-star McDonald's All-American Thomas Bryant up front. So 
pretty pretty loaded roster. Um, there's still some questions about how much they uh, can improve on defense, but yeah, I, I think this game is it's definitely looking solid. Uh, uh, cream and crimson, I guess uh, here. But uh, Ken Palm predicts this game, uh, Indiana to win it, 80 to 68, and gives the Hoosiers an 87% chance to win. Um, who are you picking in this one? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to have to take uh, Indiana. Maybe if it was in Omaha, I would take Creighton. You know, they have a top 10 attendance year in and year out uh, in the CenturyLink Center, but it's so hard to go into Assembly Hall, even if you're a good team, and win. And I don't think Creighton's on the level where they can go in and do that. Yeah, I, I just think this is going to be a little bit too much uh, too soon for, for that Creighton team. But but moving on to the, the last game on Thursday, this one looks, I think, is really an intriguing one. Uh, Iowa goes on the road to face Marquette. Um, what should fans expect out of Marquette this year? Uh, well, you got uh, Steve Wojciechowski's first recruiting class with, uh, obviously, the big guys, Henry Ellenson. Uh, Rice Lake, Wisconsin was the – Top player in Wisconsin, depending on who you ask. It might have been Diamond Stone, but they were both highly up there. Um, so he's going to be starting. He went uh, he went like 16, 15, and 7 with no fouls in the exhibition game. So he's, uh, he's ready to go already. And, uh, you know, the rest of the recruiting class is pretty good. Um, and they have Luke Fisher, who's a pretty good big man. So really Marquette's going to be a really size-oriented, well-rounded team this year. Yeah, and, and Luke Fisher will be a, a, a familiar name to Indiana fans. Uh, transferred from the Hoosiers a uh, year and a half ago, or or whatever it whatever it was. But um, but yeah, on, on the flip side, Iowa, a very very experienced team. Um, I think I had them predicted to start like four seniors or something in their lineup. So a very experienced team. Uh, Jared Utoff on the wing should be one of the better players in the conference. Uh, Mike Gazelle, one of the more experienced and steady point guards in the backcourt. Um, the one red flag, as as kind of became a national story last weekend, is Iowa got upset in their exhibition game um, against Augusta, uh, South Dakota, uh, something like that. A D2 school, but uh, one of the best D2 schools in the country, something worth noting. I, I think most Hawkeye fans uh, still believe Iowa should have won that game. But, um, you know, obviously a, a disappointing loss. So not really sure what to expect out of Iowa, uh, how that's going to translate into the regular season. But um, uh, I, I do think I had them predicted to be in the tournament before the year. Um, haven't changed it so far. I, I want to see a few regular season games uh, before I get into that. But Ken Palm is picking this game uh, Marquette by a narrow 69-68 margin and gives Marquette a 56% chance to win this game. Uh, who are you picking in this one? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Marquette. I think a big thing for Iowa that they're going to struggle with, at least early on, will be replacing Aaron White. And uh, that's, you know, Aaron White was such a big player for them last year. And mm-hmm. obviously that kind of, you know, on both sides of the ball will be tough to replace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, that that exhibition game really really shook me a little bit, I guess. But um, uh, I think I'm going to pick Marquette uh, in this game. But a couple of weeks ago, I, I would have picked Iowa. You know, I think this is a complete toss-up one. Um, and I think Iowa Iowa played very well on the road last year 
Uh, they beat North Carolina on the road. They beat Ohio State on the road. Uh, so this is a good road team and a lot of experience. So I don't think the road environment's going to get them much, but um, I, I do. I, I have Marquette in this game as well. But uh, but with that, we move on to the the final challenge, uh, uh, the 20th. Uh, Xavier travels to Ann Arbor to face the Wolverines at 9 p.m. And uh, what what fans expect out of Xavier this year? Oh, man, no one's talking about this game, and I don't know why. This is going to be one of the better matchups of the uh, Gavit games, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Xavier lost D. Davis, Matt Stanbrook, so as two starters that they lost, but they're still in pretty good shape. Uh, Jalen Reynolds, Trayvon Blewett, both uh, had pretty good years last year coming back, and Blewett, you know, as a freshman last year, really competed for player of the year in the conference, and – you know, it's kind of – it'll be his team now pretty much. So, I would uh, say Trayvon Blewett, definitely something to watch. Yeah, I – you know, I'm I'm in complete agreement. I think this is one of the best games of the opening week uh, of the college basketball season. And for some reason, no one is talking about it at all. I don't know if the, the Champions Classic with Duke and Kentucky is kind of overriding everything, but this is a huge game and, and I think a big game for both teams, you know um, – Michigan coming off a, a really rough year last year. They went 16 and 16, but struggled with injuries all year. You know, Karis LeVert went out, Derek Walton went out. Um, even some of their bench guys were in and out of the lineup uh, all year with injuries. So this team should be, the Wolverines should be much better. Um, I anticipate they're going to be one of the top teams in the Big Ten. I think LeVert and Walton make one of the better front courts or back courts in the country. Um, and then you have a, some solid wing options in uh, Zach Irving and Aubrey Dawkins. Uh, Irving's set health status is a little up in the air still. Um, he's not expected to play in Michigan's opener tonight. But um, personally, uh, this is just me, my own opinion. I think he's going to play in this game. But I, I, I'm not totally sure uh, whether or not. And that will clearly be a, uh, a big absence if he can't play. Um, Ken Palm is picking this game. For Michigan, uh, 70 to 65, and gives the Wolverines a 72% chance to win. Uh, do you agree with Ken Palm, or are you picking Xavier here? Oh, man. This is really probably the biggest toss-up for me in this uh, entire thing because uh, it is a road game, and going into Chrysler, uh, Chrysler Center is not easy um, to pick up the win, especially against a pretty good Michigan team. But like you said, we don't know Michigan's injury status for a couple guys, and – at the same time, we don't fully know how Xavier is going to be able to replace uh, Matt Stainbrook. So, I, if I had to make a pick, I would probably take Michigan just because I do take the home teams in the close games. But it's it's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think this is going to be a great game. And, and frankly, uh, just given the fact that, um, you know, I kind of think Maryland's going to win pretty easily in that Georgetown game. I know that's probably not the conventional uh, logic, but – with that in mind, I think this is actually going to end up being the best game of the the entire challenge. You know, I think both teams are top 25-ish type teams. I think, um, you know, this is an important game for both of their resumes and, and really could be that extra boost at the end of the year that they need to, you know, bump up a seat or two. But um, I'm going with the Wolverines here. I, I think Michigan's offensive firepower is going to be a bit too much. A uh, lot of shooters. Uh, Karis LeVert has just, uh, the exhibition I was at last week, just looked lights out. So I think um, I'm going to go with Michigan here, but I'm really excited to see Xavier. I think I think they're one of the better teams in the country that no one seems to talk about. Uh, do you, 
do the Big East fans kind of get that sense? Because I feel like Xavier doesn't get any attention for some reason. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of how it was last year, too, when they were going to Sweet 16. I mean, I guess because they share a city with uh, Cincinnati, who historically has gotten more attention. I mean, I don't know. I guess because Xavier hasn't always been good. But ever since Chris Mack took over, I mean, they've been to three Sweet 16s in six years now. Yeah, yeah. I, I just – I don't get it. Um you know, they're, they're one of the better programs in the country, to be honest. I mean, I, I wouldn't put them up there, obviously, you know, with the Dukes and the Kentuckys and that. But, um, you know, in that second or third tier, I think they're absolutely there. Um, and that's going to be a, a really interesting matchup, at least to the people who, who follow the, uh, um, the college basketball closely. Um, but with that, I did kind of want to run through these um, uh, games. I've been kind of putting a little list here. Um, and... I don't think we disagreed on any game. I think we disagreed on maybe the margin, um, but I think we had all the same picks. Um, so both of us, I guess, are picking uh, Penn State, Villanova, Maryland, Providence, St. John's, uh, Indiana, Marquette, and Michigan, um, which, yeah. uh, you know, as, as much as we may not love this lineup, that would be four to four, uh, Big Ten, Big East. So, uh, you know, maybe we are in line for a, a really good uh, – opening challenge in the first year of this event. But, uh, but yeah. Um, well, Robert, uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Do you have any, any final thoughts here on the, uh, on the Gavit games, uh, just the college basketball season in general or, uh, or the big 10 uh, coming into this year? Uh, I have a couple just getting back to Iowa Marquette. Uh, Joe Lunardi actually has Iowa as uh 66 right now. And Marquette is 68 in terms of the, uh, NCAA tournament, they're both in the play-in game. So uh, I didn't actually notice that, but that's actually going to end up being a maybe a bigger bubble game than uh, Providence, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, maybe um, maybe we should maybe we should talk about that one a little more. <laughs> um, so I mean, uh, yeah, how, how important is this is this game to Marquette? Uh, I'm not really familiar with Marquette's non-conference schedule, but uh, um, clearly, I mean, this seems like it's an important game for them. Yeah, I mean, their non-conference schedule is not great. I mean, they play Belmont tonight, which is actually one of the better games of opening night. Um, and then Iowa, and then LSU next week at the Barclays Center, and then Wisconsin later in the year. So they play, you know, three or four good non-conference games. So a win there could go a long way, especially if you think that they're probably going to lose to either LSU or at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa actually has a pretty, a pretty challenging uh... – for themselves you know they get the road game at Marquette they also play Dayton they also play Florida State um and they play Iowa State on the road which is probably going to be one of the more difficult uh road games in the entire Big Ten this year so you know maybe this is a a good game they can steal against a quality opponent put that in the in the back pocket but uh yeah wow I, I didn't realize they were they were both on the bubble uh that close together so that's that's an interesting little nugget but uh yeah, any, any, I know you were getting to a couple other thoughts you had on, on the Big Ten Challenge or, or anything like that. Um, yeah, I have just more of a question for you. If you take any mm-hmm. two teams on either side that aren't in it this year, who what's the matchup you'd like to see next year? Ooh, matchup I'd like to see next year. Um, geez, I'd have to think about this. Um, I, I will say, you know, I guess the, I guess to start out here while I'm while I'm thinking. Um, the fact that Michigan State and Wisconsin aren't in this is just kind of a, a shame. I realize, you know, Michigan State has 
the Champions Classic, so it's kind of hard for them to be in this event. And Wisconsin kind of has a, a loaded non-conference schedule here. But, um, yeah, for those teams not to be in this is just kind of crazy. I mean, those teams were both in the Final Four last year, uh, and arguably the two best teams in the big – not to have those teams featured is just kind of crazy for just TV publicity uh, reasons. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think outside of the obvious, you know uh, – the first thing is, you know, I think Georgetown, Maryland, you know, whether it's competitive or not, I think that should just be a yearly game in this challenge. Um, frankly, you know, just alternate home and road. Um, those teams have a lot of a history, obviously. And, and I think that would be nice. Um, another uh, one I, I personally would, would find very intriguing. I'm not sure if uh, it it's possible logistically, but um Xavier, Ohio State, to me, pops out as a game I, I would like to see. Um, how, about, how about you? Uh, what, what game uh, would you like to see? Yeah, you know, Xavier, Ohio State was the one that I was going to say just because of uh, location. But I think ever since Ohio State took the uh, loss to Dayton in the NCAA tournament, they're kind of opposed <laughs> to uh, scheduling the local teams. Um, Georgetown, Maryland is through at least next year, by the way. So. Mm-hmm. That one's already confirmed, um, and I would assume Butler would be in next year. I don't know how Butler's going to work, actually, because they already do play a Big Ten team every year, either Purdue or Indiana. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to have to wait and see on Butler. But um, I think a matchup that would really be good next year, uh, Michigan State is still probably out, but Villanova, Wisconsin, Villanova, Michigan, just someone better than Nebraska for Villanova <laughs> to play because they're still going to be good next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would love to see, uh, you know, a couple of those top teams, you know, a top five, top ten matchup happen. That that would be awesome. Um, but, yeah, one of, one of the interesting things that, that you know, you, you sort of mentioned there that I think would be a, just an awesome game is uh, if you scheduled Indiana on the road against Butler or something like that, I mean, I, I think Butler fans would just die if they had the chance to play Indiana at home. I mean, that would be such a huge game, you know. Um uh, or even or even putting Purdue on the road there. I, I think that'd be an interesting – obviously, you know, they have the Crossroads Classic, so they're going to play one of them. But if you kind of played it right on the right year, uh, yeah, that would be a fun game um, and a really intriguing one. Uh, and, and, I mean, the other one that really pops out uh, would be Creighton, Nebraska, obviously. But they already play, so it, it's not really as necessary. But uh, – but yeah, that would be fun. That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, any, any other thoughts here on, on the challenge, uh, the Big East, the Big Ten, uh, before we let you go? No, uh, you know, I think they're both pretty good conferences. I think they'll both send uh, a decent percentage of their conference. Um, I know the Big East will probably send about five or six. Big Ten will be around six or seven to the tournament. And uh yeah, it's just nice that college basketball's back and that we have this to look forward to already right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely made things a lot more intriguing than um, you know, I I was previewing today's Big 10 games and it's just like uh, you know, it's fun that it's back, but I mean, almost all of them, you know, it, I expect the Big 10 teams to cruise. So, to actually have some challenges starting next Tuesday is exciting and and it'll add a lot of interest, but uh but, Robert, uh, thanks again for joining us, and we, we appreciate you having you on. Yeah, sure thing, Thomas. Uh, again, that was uh, Robert O'Neill. He writes for uh, Big East Coast Bias, which is SB Nation's 
Big East site, uh, surprisingly, uh, but they do they do outstanding work over there um, for the Big East. So if you're ever interested in that, I'm sure they're going to be having a bunch of preview stuff for these games and and all season long. So definitely check them out if you uh, if you are interested in any of that stuff. But but with that, that that's our podcast for today. Really excited for these games. I think they're going to be. Uh, really entertaining and i think you have a chance at some matchups that are going to end uh that are going to uh be significant at the end of the year so uh definitely something to keep an eye on um and excited to have college basketball back but uh thanks again for joining us i'm, I'm thomas bendit manager of bt powerhouse and we'll see you next time <laughs>